And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores. This is episode number 10 of the NAI Ball Podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Robbie Gutierrez. And joining me on the show, as always, the man behind the NAI Ball account, the foremost authority on NAI baseball anywhere around the nation, Cody, man, how are you doing on this fine night? Oh, man, I am doing well. It's a little chilly here in the metro area, but, you know, I'm staying warm, ready to talk some baseball. As always, we've got big series of the week. We'll talk about the new Top 25 poll that just came out. We'll get into some conference standings, some tight races around the nation. Surprises of the week, our hitter and pitcher of the week, as well as two great interviews. We'll get to our series around the nation after that, our big series of the week, and then we will close with our NAI Ball Podcast Bracket Challenge. We already announced the winners, but we'll go ahead and highlight them on the podcast just like we said we would do. So let's get things kicked off. Let's get things rolling. Our big series of the week, as we always do, I will start things off here between number 20, Lion, and William Woods, or at least they were 20 in the last poll. They have jumped up quite a bit, and rightfully so. Lion swept the series 3-2, 3-0, and 10-8 to eight in 11 innings. For Lyon, Tyson Campbell, 8 innings pitched, 3 hits, 2 runs, no earned, 9 strikeouts in game number 1. Kylan Barnett, a double in an RBI as well in game number 1. In game number 2, Tyler Tognarine, 7 innings pitched, gave up 7 hits, only struck out 1, but did not allow a single run to cross the plate. And in game number three, two runs in the top of the 11th would seal the win for the Scots. Kylan Barnett once more, three for five, four RBIs in a home run. On the other side for William Woods, Taryn Oltan, seven innings pitch, three hits, three earned, five strikeouts. In game number two, William Woods would actually out-hit Lions seven to five. Patrick Dillon had two hits in that game. And then in game number three, Marquise Doty, Three for six with four RBIs, but a big series sweep for Lyon. Cody, you had LSU Alexandria and Texas A&M Texarkana. Take us there. Number one, Texas A&M Texarkana was able to take the series two games to one. They stay atop first place of the Red River Athletic Conference. 33 hits in the series for Texarkana. Man, the offense was working. They won game one, seven to four. Nate McGee, 8.1 innings pitched, four earned, four strikeouts in the win. Shortstop Keon McKee, two for two, two runs, two RBIs. The catcher Bronson Butcher, two for four, two RBIs. Just a big win, six walks in the game for Alexandria. Really hurt them in that one. Texarkana was able to win game two, three to two. A really tight one, a pitcher's duel. Evan Rogers, six innings, two earns, four strikeouts. Hendries Rodriguez for Alexandria took the loss, six innings, three earned, hard knock loss. Colton Perfect had a big weekend, two for three for Texarkana. And then game three was a sovereign opera, man. 11 to 10 for Alexandria. They were able to salvage a win there. Four runs in the second, two in the third, one in the fifth, three in the sixth, and one in the eighth. A nine-run inning for Texarkana, but it wasn't enough to come back. Three, four, five hitters for Alexandria got it done. Six hits, five runs, three RBIs. Some of the standouts for the weekend. Keon McKee, 7 for 10, two runs, two RBIs, the shortstop for Texarkana. Colton Perfect, 
four hits in the weekend. Nate McGee and Evan Rogers both picked up wins, really good starts. Blake Garrett had a really good weekend for Alexandria, five for ten, two runs, a home run. Bryce Laird, five for eleven, two doubles, four RBIs. And Ziggy Sloan, one of the better names in the NAIA, five for ten with three runs and three doubles. But like I said, Texarkana was able to get it done. Big series win. They remain in first place. Definitely a huge series win for Texas A&M University at Texarkana. The next series of the week was Kaiser and Southeastern. Southeastern, the Fire sweep the series, winning games 1 and 2, 18-7. Both of those games, 18-7, 18-7, and then an 8-1 victory in game number 3. For Kaiser, some of the standouts, Chucky Lopez, three runs with two RBIs in game number 1. C.J. Fitzpatrick with a grand slam and four RBIs for him. Marco Rivera had a three-run home run in game number two. Victor Hughes pitched very well in game two, going six innings, allowing just one earned run and eight strikeouts. In game number three, Kaiser was held to just three hits, but once again, Chucky Lopez, two for four with the lone RBI for Kaiser. For Southeastern University, they had 18 hits in game one. Valerio, five for five with three RBIs. He would have four RBIs in game two. Anaganos with three RBIs as well for Southeastern University. In game number two, Jordan Scott, impressive on the mound. Eight innings pitched, ten strikeouts. Uh, Colmenares came in to pinch hit and had a base-clearing three RBI double. That really kind of sealed the deal for Southeastern, and they would just go on to open that game up in game number two. In game number three, Valerio again, three RBIs. He had a ten RBI weekend against Kaiser University. And then Felix Diaz, seven innings pitch, two hits, five strikeouts, no runs allowed. A huge weekend sweep for Southeastern University. They've still got St. Thomas coming up, but to get Kaiser out of the way, to sweep that series the way they did in dominant fashion, definitely impressive for Southeastern University. Our next series of the week, which was our NAI Ball podcast, big series of the week, was Georgia Gwinnett at Faulkner. Faulkner won game number one, 6-1. to one. Georgia Gwinnett took game two, 9-8, and then Faulkner dominated in game three, 13-2. Cody, what did you have on that series? You know, it was a really good series. Game one of the series was 2-1 to one in the eighth inning. Faulkner just kind of blew up the bullpen a little bit. Marcus McCorkle had a really good weekend for Georgia Gwinnett, second baseman, seven hits, a double, and a home run. Cam Corsi added six hits, three runs, a triple, and two RBIs. Cole Uvula, huge save, was able to pick up that win in game two. Two innings, two strikeouts, didn't give up a run. You know, Georgia Gwinnett was playing a couple of men down, didn't have their starting shortstop and center fielder. But, you know, you got to make those plays. Hats off to Faulkner. They were able to take advantage. And game three, they just kind of pounded them. Yeah, you don't get number one and number two playing each other in a three-game series too often. Very impressive series win for Faulkner. Gage West in game one had a three-run home run. Reese Cooley was impressive all weekend long as he has been all season. Three runs in game one, then went three for four with two RBIs and a home run in game two, and then three for three in game number three. Also, Ryan Rosa, three for five with two RBIs and a home run in game two, then four RBIs in game three. Three. Also pitching on the mound, Alex Carrillo, five and two thirds innings pitch, four hits, no runs, nine strikeouts in the win in game number one. Reed Long also went two for four with two RBIs. So Faulkner just got it done. They did drop the second game nine eight. Very 
tightly contested second game, but that game three, 13 to two really kind of sealed the deal. And as we'll talk about here in a bit, Faulkner stays at the top in the nation. Yeah, and they earned it. You know, they looked like the best team in the country. Reese Cooley's one of the best players. Ryan Rosa is hitting at 470. I mean, they just have a really good lineup. They're playing at home. They're really good at that ballpark. It was a really good atmosphere. I was able to take a few games in. I enjoyed the trip. It was a very competitive baseball outside of Game 3, obviously. And, uh, yeah, just congrats to Faulkner. They're still top dog in the country. Definitely. I've been there a few times. Uh, been in a regional there, so definitely a fun place to play. Always a great atmosphere. We'll move into the top 25 poll, a review of that. First, the teams that dropped out of the top 25. Wayland Baptist out of Texas drops out of the top 25 from number 23. And then Cumberland's out of Tennessee drops from the 25th spot. Only two teams enter this week into the top 25. Friends out of Kansas, 24-10 and 10 on the year. They were receiving votes. They are now number 25 in the nation. And then Cumberland's Kentucky moves into the 23 spot. They are 29-3 and three on the year. Taking a look at the top five in the nation, Oklahoma Wesleyan drops from four to six. St. Thomas University moves up from seven to five after a big sweep of Florida Memorial. They are now number five in the nation, sitting at 34-4. and four. Lewis and Clark moves up one spot to number four. Southeastern, Three, Georgia Gwinnett, two, Faulkner, one. Faulkner receives all the first place votes in the nation. The top three in the nation stay the same. Cody, give me your thoughts on the top 25. I like it, man. I, I like I like the week. People are going to argue about the order, and you probably can, but I think they have the best teams in here, and I think that's the most important part. Um, I love the top five. Yeah, I was really impressed with the way they did it this week. Now, for the first time this year, we're really going to review some conference standings where some tight races are around the nation. We'll kick it off with the Appalachian Athletic Conference. In first place is Bryan. They are 12-3. In second, Reinhardt at 11-4. Then tied for third, Point and Tennessee Wesleyan, each 10-5, two games back. Reinhardt, one game back. Cody, who do you think is going to walk away with that conference? I'm going to go with Bryan, but if I had to pick a team that could make the run is Tennessee Wesleyan. They're just a program that's known how to win. And, uh, but I'm going with Brian. I think they have the team this year. Brian, Sharpie, write it down. I think they're going to win the conference this season. We'll move into the G-Pack. Sitting at first place is Doan at 6-2. and two. In second, Midland, 5-3. and three, They're one game back. Also, two other teams tied for second. So a three-way tie for second. Northwestern, 5-3. and three. Morningside, 5-3. and three. All one game back. Cody, who's walking away with the G-Pack title? You know, I'm giving it to Midland, man. I like their team this year. They got a dude in Torrey Escamilla. I like some of their pitchers, Andrew Davidson. I'm going with Midland. I like Midland also. That's that's a team that at the beginning of the year really played hard in some tournaments, and they've got a lot of experience. So I'm I'm just I'm feeling Midland. I think they're going to walk away with the G Pack title. Now we'll go to the RRAC, the Red River Athletic Conference, Texas A&M. Texarkana 13 and 2, LSUS 13 and 2, and LSU Alexandria 11 and 4. LSUA two games back, a tie for first. Two teams that are actually going to play each other this weekend. Who you got? You know, I don't want to go chalk every single time, but it's looking like it. I'm going Texarkana again. Like you said, this series this weekend is probably going to determine that champion, and I'm going with Texarkana. 
Maybe it's because I've seen LSUS so many times over the last six years that I've been involved in NAI baseball. But I'm going to have to go with Coach LaValle. Uh, shout out to my guy Mark Cantrell over there. Does a great job at LSUS. I'm going to take the Pilots. I think uh, Shreveport, it's one of the best atmospheres. If you've never gotten to go there, awesome atmosphere. They tailgate for the games. Great food, great people. Definitely one of my favorite places to go around the country. I'm just going to have to take LSUS on that one. Not a bad pick at all. Sooner Athletic Conference, the SAC, in first place, USAO. They are 14-1, and tied for second. OCU, Oklahoma City University, 13-2, one game back. And Texas Wesleyan, 13-2, one game back. I'm going to roll with Oklahoma City. I think they're going to find a way. You know, they had a rough week, but they've overcame that. They got some of their better pitchers back. They hit the ball better than anyone. They're hitting 358 as a team. I'm going to roll with the Stars. I'm going to take USAO. I think the Drovers have been so impressive the last couple of years. Their pitching is outstanding. Obviously, that's a big series to watch this weekend that we will talk about more. But I just feel like the pitching of the Drovers is going to be too much to handle. I'm going to take USAO in the Sooner Athletic. Now, last but not least, the heart of America in the South, Central Methodist sits in first place at 12 and 4. Mid America Nazarene, two games back at 10 and 6. Evangel, two games back at 10 and 6. Then in the North, Clark sitting in first at 12 and 4. Peru State, 11 and 5, just one game back of Clark. They would be in third in the South. Cody, who are you going? I'm going with Clark. Man, they tested themselves early. Played Georgia Gwinnett. Played Faulkner. You know, they played Tennessee Wesleyan. They tested themselves for these conference games. I think it's going to pay off. I'm going with Clark. Got to correct myself really quickly. Peru State would be in second in the South, but I've got to go Central Methodist. They were a team with a lot of expectations on them early on in the season. I think they will win the Heart of America. So I'm going to go ahead and write them down in Sharpie as well to win the Heart of America Conference. Now we will take off here to our favorite segment of each week, Surprises of the Week. Jeremiah Robbins leaving the NAIA. Definitely a surprise, Cody. Also, York wins the series over number 6, Oklahoma Wesleyan, two games to one. Milligan won the series over Bryan, two games to one. Hope International wins the series over William Jessup, 2-1. to one. Baycone, they win the series over Mid-America Christian, 2-1. to one. Michigan Dearborn also got a win over number 22, Madonna. HTU, Houston Tillotson, they pick up a huge win over NCAA Division I opponent Prairie View A&M. Midway snaps Cumberland's 26-game winning streak on Tuesday. That was a split doubleheader. That was the longest streak in the NAI. Also, down in the Sun Conference, Thomas University out of Georgia. They've won 10 straight. That's a program record for the Nighthawks. And Crowley's Ridge out of Arkansas, five in a row for them. Cody, what surprises stand out to you? Well, I wouldn't say it's a surprise, but you know the streak would have to come to an end for Cumberland's. You know, heck of a job for them, 26 games in a row. Time for them to start a new streak. They got that recognition they actually earned, so I'm proud of them. Biggest surprise for the week, though, Milligan taking two games at Bryan, back-to-back winning that series. That was huge. The Jeremiah Robbins news still strikes me as surprising. I mean, that's 
that's the best job in the nation. It is, man. I hope they are able to rebound and somehow find a way to get back to the World Series next year. I should have known you were going to say something like that. Yeah, I just have to. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't blame you. As somebody who's who's been there and and uh, with Kaiser and Open with LCSC, and then also played an elimination game against LCSC. It's an awesome environment. But a few more years of them getting that automatic bid to the World Series that the new coach will get. Hitter and Pitcher of the Week. Every week, Cody and I give out our own National Player of the Week. Every week, we switch back and forth. This week, I've got Hitter, Cody's got Pitcher, so I will kick things off with freshman Max Kristoff out of Presentation College in South Dakota. 6.92 average for the week. Six home runs, 15 RBIs, eight runs, but just as impressive, six innings pitched on the mound, no runs allowed, nine strikeouts as a pitcher. Yeah, my pitcher of the week is going to be Bruce Bell out of Pikeville, known as U-Pike. You know, he threw a perfect game against Kentucky Christian. To my knowledge, it's the first perfect game this year. There's been a lot of no-hitters. He got the perfect game, eight strikeouts in the win, an incredible performance. Shout-out to Bruce Bell. So congratulations to our hitter of the week, Max Kristoff, out of Presentation College and U-Pike pitcher Bruce Bell on his perfect game versus Kentucky Christian. Now we were very fortunate to have some interviews this week. Of course, all interviews around here, courtesy of ESPN West Palm. We kicked things off with talking to interim head coach at Texas Wesleyan University, Robert Garza. Joining us now on the phone from the ESPN West Palm Studios in downtown West Palm Beach is interim head baseball coach at Texas Wesleyan University, Robert Garza. Coach Garza, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Robbie. Thanks for asking. Uh, Thank you for having me on the show tonight. Just wanted to say thank you for all that you and Cody do. Uh, We really appreciate all the work that you guys put into NAIA baseball. Coach, we appreciate it big time. And you know what? We will start things out here. Your team, your school, your team has faced a lot of adversity this year. There's been a lot of things that have, you know, that can sway a team in their focus. How have you kept the focus of this team this season? And, I mean, y'all are having a great year. You're 25-7. and You're playing really well in the Sooner Athletic Conference. You're in the heart of the race there at Texas Wesleyan. How have you kept this team focused all year long? Well, you know, when when, when everything happened, um, we kind of just sat down as a group and, and we understood that two things could happen. We could either uh, feel sorry for ourselves and, and um, just kind of let what was going on linger throughout the rest of the year, or we could make a decision to link up together and move forward uh, the, the, the guys have done a great job of playing together. Uh, they're having a lot of fun out on the baseball field and, and it's been really, it's been really great just to see those guys respond to the situation that happened. And we look forward to finishing this season, uh, and going on to the postseason. I mean, Ed won 25 games this year, coach, only a game out of first place in your conference. What are the goals for this Texas Wesleyan team? Already 18th in the country. You know, you look to be he says an at-large bid at the very least. What would you say your expectations are for this group? 
Well, our expectations are the same every year. We want to um, have an opportunity to win a conference championship, and then we also want to have an opportunity to compete to go to go to Lewiston. And you know that that's something that the players come up with every year. Um, they sit down and, and they establish that this is what this is what we're trying to do, and we want everyone to be on board with what we're doing. Uh, and they really take ownership of this team. And, and we're Coach Shopik and myself are very fortunate to have a pretty good group of players, and we have some good leadership. Uh, and and, and we're, we're really excited about this group. We're really excited about the opportunity that, that, that we will have down the road. Um, and and uh, we're really proud of how this group has, has handled all the situations that, that, that have come our way this year. Coach, obviously – one thing you know about is offense, and this Texas Wesleyan team has a whole squad of offense hitting 332 on the season with 37 home runs, and a big part of that has been Kiki Menendez hitting 429 on the year, 48 hits, 13 doubles, 13 home runs, and 45 RBIs, even better to go. He's got an on-base percentage of 468, so he's getting on base a lot. What does a guy like that in the lineup do for your team? He does a lot for us. You know, what, those numbers are, are great, and, and you know, it, we're very thankful to have Kiki be a part of Texas Westland baseball. Um, but ultimately what Kiki does is, 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 is he is um, he's always working hard. He's always in the cages. He never wants to come out of games. And what people really do anytime he hits a ground ball of the infield He's always hustling it to first base, going 100%. Fly ball to the outfield, same type deal. You know, he's he's running hard to get to second base, and just to have that presence in our lineup just elevates the rest of the players. Um, he's 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 been he's been great for us this year. Um, he's a hard worker. He's a great teammate, um, and and it's no surprise just being around Kiki for a period of time. It's no surprise that he's having such great success this year. Now, due to some things outside of your control, obviously this has been a huge impact on your players, but this had a big impact on you and your family. What has it been like to transition into this new role as interim head coach? Well, it's been great. You know, my, my wife ultimately deserves a lot of credit. Um, she's been very supportive of um, this transition that we're going through, um, and, and she she really deserves a lot of credit. The players deserve a lot of credit. The players have have uh, – repeatedly come up to coach Shopik and myself and just say coach you know we're we're going to do this we're going to do this we have our goal set um um you know we're we're going to do this together and it's 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 been a little challenging at times i think the first week was 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 a bit challenging we didn't get very much sleep but but it's a it's an exciting time for us it's an exciting time for my family uh, we've worked hard for an op- for our opportunity and 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 now we have this opportunity and we're very fortunate to be in charge of these players and um you know we we feel like this is what we're here to do i feel like god put me at texas westland for a reason and being being a a college baseball coach it's what i do but it's not who i am and i feel like i'm i'm put at texas westland to help these kids and be someone to help mold men and and i'm very fortunate i'm very thankful for this opportunity coach you said mold men and that's something 
you know, you and I actually have known each other for, for a long time. The whole reason I was, you know, at Northwood University in Texas was because of you. And it really, that's an experience. The three years we spent together in Cedar Hill changed my life. I mean, that's something that with my parents, with you, and with Coach Kennedy is something that molded me into who I am today. And is that something, you know, creating men and not just focusing on baseball, how big is that and how tough of a task is that because everybody's different? Yeah, it's it's big for us because, like I said earlier, being a college baseball coach, it's what I do, but it's not who I am. Uh, I'm a uh, – of the game, yes. I'm someone who who who, who wants to. Desire is always inside of me, but more importantly, I, I want to help young men um, really establish, set a, set a platform for what they're going to be down the road, and and that's important to to us and and my family, um, and we're very fortunate to have this opportunity, and 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 I. I I, I hear what you say, Robbie, but but ultimately, I think you know you've done more for me than I will ever do for you, and and I I hope that that's can be portrayed to our players that we need as coaches we need our players just as much as they need us, and and um, you know I'm grateful to, that you were able to come to our program at Northwood, Robbie, and I'm grateful for all the players that were able to to coach and to lead years and if we're able to impact their lives in a way that they lead better than when they arrive then we know we've accomplished our goals coach garza one more question for you and it's something that i know a lot of guys in the past uh that have played for you have played under you know but airborne attack i still have my tags uh, where does that come from? Where does Airborne Attack come from? It's your Twitter handle. It's all of that. You know, all the credit for the Airborne Attack comes from Matt Deggs over at Sam Houston State. You know, he he has this pack mentality that he that that the offense really establishes. And um, you know, Matt is a good friend of mine. We went to the same high school together. Uh, our our dads worked in the same power plant in Texas City together. And I, I really saw what he was doing at Texas A&M, Arkansas, what he did at Texarkana. And um, it, I really kind of established that from him. And we created the, the airborne attack in, in, at Northwood University in Texas. And it's just really it's something that the players can, can, can really take ownership over and have something, be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. Um, and we've continued that at Texas Wesleyan. Uh, we still do the tags. They're a little different. They're, they're more, more modern, I guess you could say. They're, you know, they're solid black. And, and, and the players really enjoy them. And, you know, it's an honor to be able to, to hand out those dog tags to the, to the players and to really see them wear them every day and to see them and for them to know that, that, that this is who we are. Um, so, that's where the airborne attack came from i know it's a big deal because they it meant a lot uh to me especially when you gave me mine 
Uh, so I know guys at Texas Wesleyan appreciate that. Of course, Matt Deggs also played at Northwood University in Texas, an NAI product who's really blazing the trail right now at NCAA Division One as the head coach at Sam Houston State. Coach Garza, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join us here on the podcast. Really appreciate it, and best of luck the rest of the season, Coach. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me, and look forward to hearing all the podcasts down the road. Huge thanks to Coach Garza for taking some time out of his day. We'll keep our interviews going with a major student-athlete from Menlo College. Jordan Tagawa joins us now on the NAI Ball Podcast. Joining us now on the NAI Ball Podcast, all the way from California, on the phone lines here from ESPN West Palm in downtown West Palm Beach, is Menlo College senior pitcher Jordan Tagawa, and he boasts a 3.95 GPA. Jordan, how are you doing today? Hey, hey, I'm doing great today. Uh, had a had a nice day here in Cali. Had a good practice. Got you know no classes today, and you know I'm having a great day so far. I can't explain. You know, one of the big deals is you're used to great weather everywhere you go. You're actually from Hawaii originally. What's it like to go from Hawaii to California to move that far away from home, and then to balance baseball and school? So uh, yeah to go on about that um being from hawaii you know it's a small well at least from the island i'm from it's a small island i'm from the big island of hawaii from a small town of hilo and you know our community is tight-knit and but coming to here in california at Menlo college it's pretty much been the same thing luckily for me because Menlo college is kind of like a pipeline for hawaii students because at uh, menlo we have a, i believe it's about a 25 percent population of students from hawaii so the transition was a little easier, and it kind of helped out that I had a really good roommate in Andrew Cox when I, you know, first transitioned here as a freshman, and he made the transitioning uh, a lot easier for me. But, yeah, I think the transition wasn't too bad, but the weather is a lot more consistent here. I could You could say definitely for sure. It's, it's a lot. It's always more sunny here compared to back home, like at least on my island, on my side in Hilo. For sometimes it can be super sunny, then all of a sudden – Five minutes later, it'll be pouring, and all of a sudden, it could be uh, raining and just alternating. It's so bipolar back home. It's unreal. At least here, it's nice and, you know, at least there's sun most of the time. <clears throat> but going on to your other part of the question about the importance of balancing baseball and um, school, well, I think something that made me realize um, the importance of it was when I had torn my labrum in high school, because that made me realize, you know, baseball isn't going to be around all that long. And when I had torn my labrum, it made, it was like baseball could end right here and that's it. Like, like I'm going to have to take school a lot more seriously. I'm not saying I did it in high school because I did, but it made me, it opened my eyes and it made me really realize like, you know, baseball is something that we shouldn't take for granted and we should just play the game and enjoy it while we can. So, when I got to college, after, you know, doing the rehab process and whatnot, that taught me, you know, the hard work will go a long way as long as you, you know, put in the time and effort and whatnot. So it's just like, you know, going to class is like, you, you, it's like going to practice, basically. You want to get better every day, so you have to go to class, put in the time, just like taking extra ground balls or, you know, taking the extra reps in the 
cage if you're a hitter. Like, it's all like, just like studying. You need to study to get better at, you know, the subject that you're trying to get better at. It's not like you can just be naturally gifted on both sides. I mean, hey, that'd be pretty cool if you were, but you're going to have to put in the time and effort all the time to, you know, become, you know, to be able to balance both sides of baseball and school. Well, man, you've actually done a really good job of that, no doubt. What are your plans after baseball? What are your plans after you graduate? You about to get your degree? What would you like to do next in life? Well, great question. I, as of right now, I have two options on the table as of right now. One option is I could go into the workforce. I mean, I would have to do a little bit more school, but I could work at the same time. I do have a job aligned with uh, a firm that I interned with this past summer if I really wanted to take it. But I also do have another year of eligibility to play. So I could come back to Menlo and then finish my other units for my CPA examination, which is just basically to become a certified public accountant, which unlocks more things in the accounting field. But it's it's up in there. I'm not too sure what I'm going to do yet. I, I'm leaning more to the part of coming back and losing my last year because I it's going to be my last year playing baseball. I I don't want to burn it and not use it. I want to, you know, enjoy my last year and, you know, fully use up all eligibility I have for playing baseball. Jordan, we know you're number two. You're the salutatorian in the Menlo College class. But as far as the NAI Ball podcast is concerned, you are the valedictorian of the NAI Ball (laughs) podcast, and we wanted to give you this opportunity right now to give your valedictorian speech to the NAI Ball podcast community. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Tagawa, senior pitcher at a Menlo College. All right. I apologize if this seems lengthy to you guys, but here we go. So, this is how my speech goes. Good morning, fellow graduates, family, and friends, distinguished alumnus, professors, deans, and President Weiner. Today, we celebrate the completion of a lengthy journey and the accomplishments of many. We have spent the past years learning, laughing, creating friendships, and most of all, maturing together. Although today does not just come reminiscing about the past, it's, about, it's also about looking forward into our future. I hope that each and every one of you is ecstatic and pleased with what you have accomplished here at Menlo College. Obtaining your degree is a testament to the hard work you put in as you faced and overcame all types of adversities from your freshman year until now. We have had a high degree of academic excellence here at Menlo College, and whether you intend to continue your education or not, you will benefit from what you have learned here. After today, we will meet new people, make new friends, and learn many new things. We will grow older, wiser, more responsible, and independent. Our lives will hold more surprises and new challenges, but I'm positive we will approach this future with the same boldness and composure with which we tackle problems currently. I know facing... The future may seem like a daunting task right now, but just remember, you'll be prepared from all the tribulations you have been through at Menlo, meaning you have what it takes to be successful in whatever you do. As I look at the faces I behold today, perceptions of individuals are washed away. I no longer see people as they were, rather I see them as they will be. I know that this quad holds the next decade's great business leaders, psychologists, athletes, coaches, and stars, and that all of you will contribute to the fabric of the future in some way. I would like to share share our story of my own on how overcoming overcoming adversity helped me become the student athlete I am today. When I was a junior in high school, I had torn my labrum in my right shoulder during a preseason game. 
At that time, I was unaware of the extent of the injury as I thought I was just having the normal arm pain from constantly pitching. During that summer, my dad and I agreed to get my shoulder checked. Initially, the doctor believed I only needed physical therapy to fix my shoulder problem. Unfortunately, the physical therapy session ultimately failed and my shoulder did not get any better. This led us to believe there was something more serious regarding my injured shoulder. We got a second opinion from another doctor who recommended getting an MRI done. I got the MRI done on my shoulder, and from that day on, I knew my life would never be the same. The doctor looked over the MRI pictures of my parents and me. It had shown that my labrum was nearly 100% torn off of the bone, and I was going to need surgery to have it repaired. This signified I had pitched my whole junior season with a torn labrum. The doctor informed me that the surgery would take approximately 12 months to fully recover from it. The worst part of this news, though, was that even if the surgery was successful, there was only a 50-50 chance I'd be able to regain the level of play I was currently at and probably miss my senior year of baseball. There was also a slight chance I'd never be able to play baseball again. Going into the surgery, I was scared, but I knew it was my only option to continue to play the game I loved from the age of five. As you can see, the surgery was a success. The part of the experience which interrelates into being the student athlete I am today is the rehab process. The physical therapy was a very long and tedious process, much like when you train for your sport or study for your classes. I was doing rehab with a physical therapist three times a week and four times a week at home on my own boat for about five months straight. Not every day was a good day, but as each day passed, as each week passed, and each, as each month passed, my arm felt a little better. Again, like training or practicing for your sport, you will get a little better every day, and for every hour you study, you get that much more adept in that subject matter. Soon enough, through sheer determination and encouragement, I was able to start pitching again in six months rather than 12-month timetable. Picking up a baseball again and being able to pitch again by being the odds is one of the best feelings ever. So by the time I came to Menlo, I was about 11 months post-surgery and was able to fulfill a childhood dream in collegiate baseball. More of the story, we will all face adversities of life, big or small, and it will all come down to what you do to overcome it. Don't let the naysayers, statistics, or anything else get in your way. You're all capable of accomplishing what you want. You just need to put in the time and effort. Focus on the process and good things will come out of it. Before I conclude this speech, I want to thank those who have had my back from day one and have significantly influenced my college career. Mom and Dad, thank you for raising me the way you guys did. You guys set the standards high and rather just than just allowing me to settle just for good in both baseball and academics, both of you pushed me to strive for excellence. I will not be the half the person I am today without your love and support throughout the years. To my, all my college teammates and coaches of past and present, thank you for making my collegiate baseball career a memorable one and for making me the baseball player I am today. Thank you for having the most utmost confidence in my abilities and for never dawdling me through the rough times. I have learned so much from all of you, whether it be baseball-related or life-related. I can honestly say majority of you, if not all, will be a friend for the rest of my life. And then to Professor Zion and Professor Leo, thank you for being such great teachers. Both of you are responsible for setting up us up all of us accounting majors for the solid foundation in the field of accounting. Our success is your success, and I would not have been successful in the upper division classes if it had not been for your superb teaching skills. I would not be the scholar I am today without the both of you. So I would like to take this time to say congratulations to all the graduates here and that we have finally cleared Menlo College. That's awesome, man. I definitely thank you for coming on this show. You know, it's, it's really important to be an athlete, and you do a great job of showing that student comes first. 
And, uh, you know, it's an inspiration to other students out here listening to this. And you got to take school seriously. It's not just baseball you got to be worried about. And too many kids, man, are switching over through JUCO or whatever reason. They're not focusing on the academic side. And we definitely wanted to give you a platform to give you a speech because you're doing a lot of good in life. And we wanted to thank you for that. I know Robbie did too. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's absolutely fantastic, I think, uh, for you to be one of the tops in your class, obviously the top in this podcast. I can tell you right now, uh, it took me a lot of hours on the road studying. You know, uh, we had Robert Garza on earlier in the podcast, and he actually used to leave his office open for me so I could do my homework late at night if, you know, we were there washing uniforms and all that uh, through the years. So it's huge to get that help and to be focused on school. And it's definitely something that will pay off in the long run. Like you said, baseball, for all of us, it's not going to last forever. At this point, a lot of us are just playing until somebody tells us we can't anymore. And it's at some point, you're going to rely on your academic success. You're going to rely on that piece of paper that says you did it, whether it takes you three years, four years, five years, sometimes some guys six years and on. So I definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast and spending some time with us, taking some time out of your night. And, you know, just more than appreciative of you talking about student-athlete and being the prime example of student and then athlete. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me and, you know, taking, you know, for allowing me to use this as a platform to speak to the other students in the NIA community. I mean, this is, you know, a great honor for me to be doing this. Hey, man, we appreciate you. We thank you for, for taking some time out of the day, and uh, we'll talk to you sometime down the road. How's that sound? That sounds phenomenal. Thanks again, guys. So a huge thanks to Jordan Tagawa and Robert Garza for joining us here on the NAI Ball Podcast. Always a pleasure, and again, thanks to ESPN West Palm for allowing us to do these interviews. Yeah, definitely want to thank Coach Garza from Texas Wesleyan to step in and do this interview. He was awesome, more than gracious. We definitely appreciate that. And we thank Jordan for coming on here and, you know, lifting up the IQ a little bit on this podcast. Definitely the smartest man we've had on so far. So. <laughs> he's he's definitely smarter than you and I. No kidding. Moving on here to our series around the nation. First, our look at the weekend ahead. Some of the biggest series going on in NAI baseball and the games that you need to be watching if you're not already playing in them, if you've got series being moved around, anything like that, these are the games you need to pay attention to. And we will kick things off with number eight, William Jessup at 26, Westmont. We've got Kaiser at Flomo. Kaiser and Florida Memorial down in Miami Gardens. Number four, LCSC, Lewis Clark State goes north of the border to take on Canada's team, the University of British Columbia. Point will take on number 10, Bryan, Concordia, Michigan, at number 22, Madonna, Harris-Stowe State at number 12, Lyon, Bluefield out of Virginia will take on Tennessee Wesleyan, Cumberland at Georgetown, Rio Grande at Point Park, Blue Mountain at number 13, Mobile. 
Olivet Nazarene will take on St. Francis. Doan at Morningside. And then, of course, we've got Benedictine at Mid-America Nazarene and Midland at Mount Marty. Cody, which of those series stand out to you? I'm looking forward to these GPAC series, man. They haven't played as many games as a lot of people, so I want to see Doan at Morningside and Midland at Mount Marty. And let's start to see if we can find us a clear leader of that conference. Now on to our big series ahead. The biggest series this weekend, the four series you've got to watch, and then, of course, our NAI Ball Podcast Series of the Week. But, Cody, you will get us started off with presentation at Mayville State. Yeah, man, this is some South Dakota versus North Dakota. I don't know if they're rivals, but they should be. They're actually going to play a triple header down in Omaha, Nebraska. Crazy, I know. But you've got to get the games in where you can. They were able to work out a neutral location, so they're going to play three tomorrow. So that's going to be a really good series. Presentations coming in 17-9, and 8-0 in the conference. Mayville State 16-7, and 6-1 and in the conference. Presentation, man, three, hitting 312 on the year, seven runs a game. Jesse Springer is doing it all for them. 437, seven doubles, five home runs with eight stolen bases. Max Kristoff, as we already mentioned, hitting 378, already has eight home runs on the season, two triples. Anthony Guzman, 345, eight doubles with two home runs. Kristoff is probably their best arm right now, 31 innings pitched, 3.45 ERA, 25 strikeouts. And, you know, they're really going to test themselves against a really good Mayville State team. Mayville, Andrew Hill is hitting 370 with three home runs, 13 RBIs. Brady Nygaard, 282, eight doubles and a home run. Jonathan Felina. Six doubles, two home runs, leads the team with 22 RBIs, hitting 278. Riley Nelson hitting 329, really good contact hitter with two doubles and four stolen bases. Parker Store, 20 innings pitched, 1.80 ERA, 26 strikeouts. Mason Sweegarden, another really cool name, 42 innings pitched, 2.14 ERA, 11 appearances, three starts. He'll kind of pitch wherever he's pitched. He started the games. He's relieved in some games. He, you know, just a really good arm for them. Eric Barron, 31 innings pitched, 2.61 ERA. Both of these teams are one and two in the North Star Athletic Association. Huge series, huge triple header. Going to be a late one, scheduled for 6:30, 8:30, and 10:30 p.m. You know, and that's if the games go on time. If they even start that at 10:30, but I'm looking forward to it, man. The top two teams in the conference. I definitely wanted to give presentation and Mayville some love. They play really good ball up north. And I'm looking forward to see how this plays out. It's going to be a great series. Props to them for finding a neutral location to where they can at least get the games in. Uh, Pretty crazy that they're going to be playing in Omaha, Nebraska. I don't know if you saw the other day, but uh, University of North Dakota softball was playing indoor on their football field, and it had the football lines down, and a girl ran through the fence trying to catch a home run. That was just all sorts of wrong so, you know, really proud of these guys for finding somewhere to play, getting this series done. Yeah, most of these teams have not played a home game all year. Like a lot of teams in that conference, Jamestown, Mayville State, Presentation, it's nothing but road games for them. But like you said, man, they found a location, they're going to be able to play. We'll keep it moving here with our big series ahead. I will keep it out west with Ben U. Mesa. At number 18, Antelope Valley. Benu Mesa, 27 and 12 on the year, 14 and 3 in conference play. Antelope Valley took two of three in the first times these teams met at Benu Mesa. This time they will meet at Antelope Valley. Antelope Valley, 27 and 9, 17 and 1 overall in conference play. For Benu Mesa, 
Marshall Forrest, 338 average, 48 hits, three home runs on the season, 45 RBIs. Travis Hunt for Ben Mesa, 328 with eight home runs, 25 RBIs. Ryan Wicketts out of the pen, 196 ERA, six saves in 41 and a third innings pitch, 38 strikeouts. Also, Brandon Barnes, a pitcher to watch. On the mound, all of the starting pitchers for Ben U. Mesa this year have 60-plus innings pitched. Crazy stats. Those Ben U. Mesa starting pitchers will eat innings. For Antelope Valley, like I said, 27-9 overall. They are the number 18 team in the nation. Adam Maciel, 395 average, 14 doubles, 4 home runs, 42 RBIs. Tyler Pittman also swinging the sticks. 368 with 4 home runs, 34 RBIs. Clayton Rabier. One of the best names also, I've got to say, because the way it's spelled, you don't see Rabier, but Clayton Rabier, 2780 RA, a 9-0 record in 68 innings pitch with 56 strikeouts. A couple of players to watch out of the pen there from Antelope Valley in Justin Stark and Cameron Heinrich. Cody, you've got number one Faulkner at number 11, William Carey. Tell us about that series down in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Oh, man, it's a huge series. They moved it. It's going to be two on Saturday, one on Sunday now. Faulkner, the number one team in the nation, enters 33-3. and It's a ridiculously good record, 10-2 and in the conference, hitting 334 as a team with a 277 ERA. Led by Reese Cooley, center fielder, one of the best players in the country. I've got the chance to see him a few times. He, I mean, he's just a Exceptional, really good on offense, really good on defense. Hitting 458, 11 doubles, 8 home runs, 33 RBIs. Ryan Rosa, the shortstop, 474 batting average, 11 doubles, 5 home runs. Tyler Thornton, the big starting pitcher, 43 innings, 206 ERA, 56 Ks. Tyler Tungate's been getting it done. Got with some World Series experience. 36 innings pitched, 30 ERA, 49 strikeouts. Brandon Suttles out of the pen, 16 appearances already in the season. It's pretty much half their games. 1-2-1 ERA, 27 strikeouts. You know, they're going to Hattiesburg against William Carey, who's tied for first place in the conference. 10-2, 25-10. This is the number 11 team in the country. David Pimentel, 3-36, 6 doubles, 8 home runs. Still holds the record to me in my eyes for the longest home run I've seen. He launched one at Georgia Gwinnett. 36 RBIs. Christian Smith, 336 hitter, 40 runs, 29 stolen bases. If you put that guy on base, he's taking second. Caleb Ledette's hitting 375. Dylan Spears is their best reliever, 27 innings pitch, 2.28 ERA, 17 appearances already, a couple of saves. Cole Edgens, 59 innings pitch, 244 ERA, 49 strikeouts. And Hunter Spear, the, another starter for William Carey, 43 innings pitch, sub 4 ERA. Really big series for William Carey. You're hosting the best team in the country. You get to play them at home. And if you take this series, you lead the conference. So, you know, everything's in their court. This is going to be a really good one. Beautiful ballpark there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. William Carey University gets to play there all year long. And it's it's just a gorgeous place. I don't know if you've ever been there. A lot of great memories for me there. Uh, won the Hattiesburg Regional back in 2013 against Oklahoma Baptist there. Awesome experience. Great hosts, one of the best teams in the nation, year in, year out. They are going to have their hands full this weekend with Faulkner. We move on now to the next big series of the week in the Red River Athletic Conference, the battle for the RRAC between number 21 Texas A&M Texarkana 
and receiving votes. LSU Shreveport, first for Texarkana. They are 26-9, and 13-2 overall in RRAC play. Bronson Butcher, 346 with three home runs and 29 RBIs. Chase Beebe, 367, six doubles and 22 RBIs. This is a Texarkana team that does not hit a lot of long balls, but they do put the ball in the gaps. Got some guys with some great averages. Nate McGee, the pitcher to watch, 7-0 record, 1-5-2 ERA, four complete games. He's even got a save on the season. He's done it all. 59 and a third innings pitch, 15 walks, 53 strikeouts. Also to watch, Caleb Baker, 250 ERA, and 18 innings pitch. Team leader in saves with six and 15 strikeouts for him as well. For the Pilots, of LSU Shreveport, they are 26 and 13, 13 and 2 overall. Jordan Trahan, 356 average, eight home runs, 35 RBIs, and then a name that you could only find in Louisiana. I hope I'm getting this right. I should ask Mark Cantrell. Bo Gullibo, 372 average, four home runs, 32 RBIs. Matt Hammock, 339 for him, four home runs, 29 RBIs. Rennie Tolentino. 3-2-5 ERA, 6-3, 55 and a third innings pitch, 87 strikeouts, an opponent average of 1-6-9. That will be for first place in the Red River Athletic Conference. But, Cody, I've got to say, a little bit of show prep for next week. We should uh, definitely put together a list of the top names in the NAI because Bo Gullibo, if I'm even if I'm saying that right, just the way it's spelled, Bo with an X, yeah, should be up there. That kid's got to be from Louisiana. Like, there's no other way around it. Like, that is a really good name. It definitely is. Now it's time for our NAIA Ball Big Series of the Week, the podcast series of the week, and it's another battle for conference supremacy. It's the battle in the Sooner Athletic Conference between Oklahoma City University, Denny Crayball and the Stars, 27-4 and with a 13-2 and record, and USAO, the Drovers out of Chickasha, Oklahoma, with 27-4 and record, 14-1 and overall. Cody, you've got the Stars. Tell us about OCU. Oh, man, they're one of the best offensive teams in the country. Number one in triples with 21. They're number one in runs scored a game. They scored 10.4 runs a game. Number one in slugging percentage, number one in RBIs, number four in batting average, hitting 358 as a team. You know, some of their players, Lane Milligan, 495 batting average, 10 triples, five home runs, 46 RBIs. Brandon Grieger, 393, five home runs, nine stolen bases. Bryce Milligan on the mound, 35.2 innings pitch, 2.27 ERA, 47 strikeouts. Blaze Hastings, 39 innings pitch, 4.5 ERA. But you're going to get Matt Young back. He's going to start rolling a really good pitcher for them. They are one of the best teams in the country. OCU, my first experience with OCU was in 2012. They were number five in the nation. That's where I learned that OCU can hit no matter what. And they've got some of the best pitchers in the nation every year. But went there as a freshman. We score five runs in the top of the first. I'm thinking, man, this is the number five team in the nation. They went ahead and scored 17 unanswered. Denny Crayball recruits heavy and does a good job of it. OCU, one of the best teams year in, year out. They are expected to win in Oklahoma City. So definitely looking forward to see what the Stars can do in Chickasha, Oklahoma. 
For myself, I've got USAO, the University of Science and Arts of Oklahoma, Daniel LaFarga, a 393 average with eight home runs and 33 RBIs. Kenny L. Rivera, 385 average, six home runs, 34 RBIs. On the pitching side, always have to watch Jose Hidalgo, a 1.80 ERA with a 6-1 record, eight starts on the season, 45 innings pitch, just nine earned runs, 58 strikeouts, and opponents hitting just 182 off of him. Also, Angel Reyes, 239 ERA, 2-0 record, eight saves on the season with a 26 and a third innings pitch count, five walks, 31 strikeouts. The pitching for USAO has been huge, but also they're hitting 367 as a team. The bats can do it for the Drovers as well. This is going to be the best series around the nation. No doubt. No doubt. These are two of the best teams in the country. They both have a chance to go to the World Series. They both did last year, so it's not unheard of. I'm looking forward to it. Last but not least, the NAI Ball Bracket Challenge. We had a tie for first place, two winners. First, we'll talk about the one we don't know, uh, B-Dub2222. I don't know who you are, but congratulations. You developed a better bracket than over 180 entries. The one guy we do know that tied for first, Jason Richardson out of York. Shout out to York. Shout out to Austin Dredd. Shout out to all of York, Nebraska, big time tying for first place. He just had a better bracket than, than we did because I finished in 13th. Cody, do you know where you finished? I think you said 106th. <laughs> you know, not, not too good. Definitely want to give a shout-out to York, though. They took that series over Oklahoma Wesleyan. That was huge. That's bigger than my man Jason's big win. But, yeah, definitely congrats to Jason. I did horribly as expected. I'm a baseball guy, not a basketball guy. 106th out of over 180 entries. That's, that's I don't, bad. I don't think it's going to get me in the tournament. Yeah. So. I, don't, I don't think you're in the dance at all. So before we close it out, Cody, final thoughts on the week, final thoughts from any of the news that we've shared from around the nation. Yeah, I was surprised. Last week, man, three top ten teams in the nation dropped a series to sub-500 teams. Any given weekend in the NAI, that's good. You know, they don't like it, but I like it. So I thought it was really cool to see those teams pull off some upsets, take two games from some of the best teams in the country. Really quickly, shout-out to HTU for their win over Division One Prairie View A&M. A huge win for Houston Tillotson. Also, Southeastern University, 40-plus wins on the season. Adrian Dinkle and the fire rolling in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah, Southeastern, someone wanted them to be number one in the country. If they keep winning and other people don't, they're going to find themselves in there. They are one of the best teams in the country. Absolutely agree. They are definitely one of the best teams around the nation. That'll do it for us here. This has been episode Number 10 of the NAI Ball Podcast. want to thank you for listening as always. You can follow myself, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063. Always looking forward to talking some NAI baseball. And for all your news, stats, scores from around the nation, follow Cody at NAIA Ball. So until next time, have a great week, have a great weekend, and an even better tomorrow. We'll see you next time on the NAI Ball Podcast. 